And what I hear from my beautiful clients is that without self-care, the rest just doesn't work. It's the underpinning cornerstone of making those values show up on a daily basis. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Today, I am joined by Justine Spencer. Justine is a registered psychologist and certified wellness coach, good mood food devotee, self-care and values enthusiast, Pilates and yoga lover, wife and mama of two children, passionate about supporting you to live authentically and well. In today's episode, Justine shares her fertility journey, which was not simple, it was not straightforward. And in fact, that's actually what prompted her to move into the space of wellness coaching. I think her vulnerability and her honesty in this journey is very relatable, even if you have not gone through a fertility journey yourself. This experience of being at a place where things have to change, where things no longer feel good, is something that you can very likely relate to. So Justine shares with us about self-care, why it's important, and how you can figure out the things that are depleting you in your life and make plans to move around them in a way that feels good and is in alignment with your intentions, with your values. And just a little bit of context, the timing of this interview is such that it was recorded when the toilet paper was flying off of the shelves, when there was this real uncertainty and fear pandemic happening in the face of coronavirus. So it's interesting to listen back to this episode with that in mind in regards to how we behaved in ways that may or may not have been in alignment with our deepest values. So keep this reflection in mind, have a listen, here is Justine now. Hi Justine, welcome to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. I am so delighted to have you on here today. It is so lovely to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my delight. And I I guess, you know, we've connected over a lot of the work that you've done around self-care in particular, and that's what we'll be discussing about today. And I guess as we're sitting down to have this conversation, it is the time where, you know, our world is seeing a pandemic that, um, you know, we've never seen before, our parents have never seen before. So we were thinking, if it's still okay with you, that we might talk a little bit about how keeping ourselves emotionally well in this time fits in with the concept of self-care too. And what better time to do that than right now? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So Justine, just to start us off, would you mind sharing a little bit about who you are, you know, the type of work that you do and and what's brought you to this area of of psychology, of well-being? Sure. Okay. Um, Right. Where do I start? So I'm a psychologist and a wellness coach and I work in Perth. I have my own private practice called Wisdom Wellness. My practice is in East Vic Park, which is pretty central in Perth, and I work mainly with women, which is my passion area, and I love supporting women to live their authentic self. And this topic of self-care and values would have to be the highlight of my day to talk about with my clients. Uh, It's something that I could talk all day about because I think it's really the most important part of what we need to learn and apply in our daily life. So you mentioned that you work primarily with women and that, you know, self-care and values is so important, you know, so crucial. And you actually had a journey that I guess brought you brought into the forefront for you the the importance of self-care and probably also started your journey around wellness because you also mentioned you're a wellness coach. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, Caitlin. I um, Well, it's not just my journey, it's my hubby's and I. Um, we've been together for over 20 years and he's a wonderful man and very supportive. Um, 
we decided to start a family when I was 25. And we started to notice that things weren't going according to plan as we'd hoped. So we um, started our fertility journey at the same time. So we checked in with a specialist and we were given some information that didn't make an awful lot of sense to us. Um, there wasn't really any treatment plan. It was just, let's see how we go. Uh, so we would, we were diagnosed with um, unexplained infertility. So that was the technical medical term for our issue. <laughs> and yeah, as you can imagine, we were just so overwhelmed. We didn't really know what that meant. There weren't any answers for what was going on or not going on. And we just so desperately wanted to have a little family of our own. The whole journey itself took 10 years uh, before we were blessed with both our boys. And that's when we decided to stop trying and just be very grateful for what we have. But in amongst that 10 year journey, Oh, it was um it wasn't easy. We we cycled through tracking and the IUI process and then we did IVF over that period of time. And we were so lucky with Riley. Um we he was our firstborn and he's now ten. He um came along through IVF and it was our first attempt through IVF and oh we were just we're so grateful for him and for all that he is. And then we took a little break after that of 12 months. Um, and then we decided to go back into the treatment phase. Uh, and unfortunately, in the next few years, we experienced three miscarriages, which, um, ah, I'm actually getting a bit of a motion there, sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Um, I think yeah. that would be something a oh. lot of listeners would identify with having, you know, had an experience that is such a loss. How how could you not be experiencing some emotion around it? How normalizing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so true, Caitlin. I, it, I think it's something that it's, I think we'll talk about it actually a bit more as we go around self-care, but we were literally on a treadmill for all of that time. Um, and I guess we were just being advised on what the next steps were and we were just going through the motions and with this determined end goal of having a family. So we didn't really stop. Um, even with the miscarriages, we just, we had a really pragmatic view about it and we understood that these things happened, but we just picked ourselves up and we kept moving through and trying again. And Towards the end of, so we had Riley, so uh, four years in, and then we took a year break, and then we started the process again, as I mentioned, and we were about another four years in, ironically, and during that time, the miscarriages occurred, and I had a review appointment on the third miscarriage with our obstetrician. And at that time, he wasn't available. He had actually gone on an annual leave unexpectedly. And I happened to see a female obstetrician and specialist in his place. Sorry about that. That's my cat. I'm working from home today. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love cats. Um, so this is a nice addition. So this lady, oh my goodness, she was such a blessing and I really do think the universe sent her to us in that moment because she looked at me and she said, you've had enough, you need to take a break. Wow. And in that moment, Caitlin, she gave me complete permission to get off the treadmill and just regroup and refocus because physically and emotionally I was absolutely shattered and my hubby he was he had been so supportive and he'd been standing by my side at every appointment every single day and I was looking at him in that time too and just thinking yeah we, we need a break he needs a break he was finding it really hard watching me go through this because he felt really helpless um, and he couldn't do anything in that moment. So we actually decided that day just to take a break and we thought, well, if we return, we return and if we don't, then we'll be okay. Um, but the biggest shift, I think, was in the weeks afterwards. 
I, I remember sitting outside and I thought I had a cup of tea and I was just sitting in the quiet um, and it must have been when Riley was asleep because those moments are really rare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember just thinking to myself, I need to take some control here. I need to do something for me here rather than depend on a medical system. Um, and they were wonderful. And without their help, we would not have had Riley. But with the space that I was in uh, six, seven, eight years down the track, I was so exhausted that I knew that that had to be my primary focus, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, so I decided to just really focus on my wellness and getting that where it needed to be. I registered and studied to become a wellness coach in that time. I loved every second of it. Uh, just looking at everything holistically and looking at my mind, my body and my soul all at the same time. I had an overhaul in our house. Our pantry got thrown out literally. <laughs> I detoxed every centimetre in our home. My hubby thought I had gone completely insane. Um, and we live pretty chemical free in the house now. We're not perfect, but we do the best that we can. And as much as we could too, we switched to a whole food diet and organic whole foods. Um, exercise, I lost nearly 10 kilos in that space of time after we decided to stop IVF because during the treatment I put on a lot of weight uh, which had done nothing for my own self-esteem either. Um, I really felt just not myself, just not myself at all. And then uh, about six months later, we actually fell pregnant naturally with our second oh, little guy. What a joy <laughs> and what a, what a real, I mean, obviously it's miracles in both, in both cases with Riley and oh, with absolutely. your second, but how, how amazing to have been diagnosed with infertility and then to, to fall pregnant naturally. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, probably don't really sit and reflect on it too much um, and don't hold space for it enough to really consider our journey. And it's in moments like this that when I actually do speak about it, I think, my goodness, like, it was a really rough ride, but there were so many blessings and so many lessons throughout every step. And... I don't think I would be the person that I am today if we hadn't have gone through that journey over those 10 years. And our boys, you're right, they're both absolute little miracles despite whichever way they came into the world, they're both miracles. And, yeah, it's amazing what medicine can provide and the value in just really honouring yourself and getting back to wellness as well. Yeah. And it, it sounds to me like a lot of the learning, you know, in going down the journey to become a wellness coach, linking it with your study as a psychologist is a really unique framework that you can offer individuals that you work with now, because you do really understand the importance of self-care, particularly at a time when someone might be really exhausted. And like you were that day when you went into the obstetrician, really almost mm -hmm. needing someone to give them permission to to turn that lens and to take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, I'd always had an interest in psychology and I knew that it's what I wanted to be from the age of 13. But I initially I headed into more of an organisational psych path and loved every second of it. But as I matured and went through this process I realized that I was far more aligned with this path and actually perinatal health is a real passion of mine supporting women to be their best most authentic well selves is my absolute goal in my practice and really that evolved out of our fertility journey yeah. So your, you know, your journey is now allowing you to empower others to find their authentic selves. And on that, you know, 
we're interested today to talk a little bit about self-care and I'm not sure how we link in what's going on globally right now, whether we talk a little bit about what's going on with the coronavirus and how we maybe might be able to take care of ourselves given all that's going on, mm. or if you'd like to explore self-care first and, and link back in maybe some specifics at the end, does either feel right for you? Yeah, yeah well, look, I think, I think that would be a great way to go. I've made a few notes on how to look after ourselves in this current climate. Um, but I guess talking about self-care and what that means first um, would be probably the way to go. Yeah. So what what do you define as self-care and, and how does this work? Okay. So that's, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful question. And I think it's, it's framed in so many ways. Self-care itself, I think, can be spoken about as self-love, nurturing, there's so many words that you can use to describe self-care, but essentially it's looking after yourself. And it's one of our, it really is one of our most simple life skills that we take for granted and often is the first one to go out the window when life gets busy, and it often does. It certainly <laughs> does. We, yeah, it's the first thing on the top of our list that just, disappears from our to-do list when life gets busy we forget to honor ourselves because we just can't make that time for that to happen so you mentioned it as a skill now a skill to me sort of highlights that it's something that needs to be practiced and learnt and developed yeah absolutely so when i'm working with my beautiful clients i actually talk to them about self-care as a doing word because it really is it's a verb <laughs> It, it is a doing word, it's an action and it's something that we have to be really mindful of doing every day for ourselves to support ourselves mentally, emotionally and physically. So with supporting oneself mental, emotionally and physically, you know, I, I imagine it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, but for someone who might be on that treadmill that you described earlier, who might be kind of having one thing after the other, after the other, how, how does someone carve out that space and I guess take the time to figure out what it is that is self-care for them? What, what nourishes them? Yeah. Look, I, um, I often share with my clients that it's like, Life today feels so much like we're on that treadmill and we just keep putting the speed up really high and we think, oh, you know, I can manage this. I can do that little bit more. So I'll just put it up another increment and another increment and another increment. And it's not until we're running so fast on that treadmill that we literally fall off the back of it because we can't keep up with it or something happens and the, the whole treadmill breaks. And it's when that happens that we sit back and we go, oh, I've not been looking after myself and I actually need to start doing that again, which is exactly where I was. And I totally understand what that feels like because we just get caught up in our day-to-day and our to-do list. So I think it's really important to reconnect with what brings a smile to your face and lights you up and makes you feel really good on the inside. You know, those moments when you you do something and it might not have been something that you've done since you were a child, like a cartwheel in the backyard, if you can still do them. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, doing some scrapbooking or whatever that might be. And you walk away and time has passed because you've been in flow and you've not been aware of the time. And you've sat back and you've actually, you've got a smile on the inside because you just feel like you've replenished. That's a really beautiful way of describing it, that it's like a felt sense, that smile on the inside and that replenishment. And I also really like how you mentioned that it feels like time hasn't passed, like that it's, I imagine it would feel like a chore carving out the space, but once the activity has commenced, it's timeless. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I um I often give my clients a really beautiful exercise to do because I don't know that you can teach self-care or you can share with someone what they need to do because that is our individual 
perception of what, what might work for me or what might work for you. But it's not as simple as reading a textbook, I don't think, and applying what is shared in that textbook. It's more about actually taking time to sit down and reflect on what it is that you love doing and reconnecting with your old self and the things that you used to do when you were younger and what made you smile, made, made you happy on the inside then too. So I, I love, and I do this myself quite often throughout the year, particularly in those moments when I feel like I've disconnected a little from self-care because I'm not perfect either as a psychologist. I, I don't always do this properly or every day. And it's, it's getting a piece of paper and a pen and a cup of tea or a coffee or whatever that is that you need just to make yourself feel comfortable and centred and actually just brainstorming all the activities that you have ever done that have made you happy. And the idea behind this is if you can come up with 50, 75, 100 of these activities, and it sounds like a really big number, but it's, it's really not when you start drilling down. There are themes that start emerging and it's those themes that you need to really focus on and ask yourself, what is it within this theme that I need to pay attention to? And what is that that I need to apply on a daily basis for myself that will really light me up? That's a really beautiful exercise. I really like the idea of sitting down, writing down, you know, everything that comes to mind. And then what would someone do? Like maybe circle certain themes or kind of group them to kind of get a bit of an idea of their, and I'm saying in quotation marks here, individual prescription, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of my clients use colourful pens or pencils. And I love that because they bring it in and they show me and it's this beautiful piece of artwork that they've created. And it's also something that they then put up on their vision board as a reminder of what they need to be targeting on a daily basis just for themselves, like their own little piece of self that they need to be mindful of and to watch out for. And, yeah, so you can. These themes start to emerge. And it can be as simple as, it, it sounds like a really big number, I know, when you say 75 or 100. But a, a, a great example of this is one of them for me personally is walking along the beach. But when you really drill down and I ask myself, what is it about that that I love? It's the sand between my toes and it's the fresh air on my face and it's feeling the sunshine on my skin and it's hearing the waves crashing in the background. For me, there's that element of nature, that theme of nature coming through really strongly and with each of these themes, I often find with my clients that there's a real sensory aspect to the self-care that they might identify the label with, but it's actually the sensory component of the action that they really love. So on those days that I can't get to the beach, it's walking around the block because I might not be able to drive there today. But it's okay if I can walk around the block, I can still be immersed in nature and hear those sounds of the birds in the trees and get the wind and the sun on my skin. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I really like how you broke it down into components and you highlight this idea of sensory because I... I suppose that's an area that people might not be as familiar with. So would you mind just talking a little bit about different sort of sensory exercises or practices that mm -hmm. someone maybe might identify as being self-care? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking of when I do a yoga class, sometimes I just really like to put um, a bolster, which is a really big cushion, like a, almost a little bit heavier on my stomach, because for me, that feels really safe and grounding. So. I'm interested if you have maybe a few more ideas or could frame it for the listeners. Yeah, sure. Oh, I love that. I love that one. Hmm. Okay. So 
an example of being out in nature for me would be picking up a stone and holding that and actually being really mindful of being connected with something from the earth or actually just stepping outside and being barefoot in the grass and actually noticing the dampness and noticing the prickliness and seeing the greenness in the lawn and I know this probably sounds crazy all of these little things but when we do that it really we get absorbed in the flow of the activity and the noticing aspect of what we're doing rather than the busyness in our head of the what we should be doing that makes a lot of sense. And I imagine if someone is feeling overwhelmed and, you know, like their mind is going a million miles an hour, something that draws them out of their mind into the sensation or the experience is going to be incredibly beneficial in finding that state of flow you described in just a little bit of space between the thoughts. <laughs> mm, I often share with um, my clients that come in experiencing symptoms of anxiety. When was the last time that you stood in your kitchen and just looked out the window. And just that very simple act of knowing that you're still part of your world on the inside of your home, but actually just standing in space for just a moment, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, however long it needs to be, and just looking outside and noticing what you can see and what you can hear. And often when we're experiencing those symptoms of anxiety, actually trying to engage in that present moment and looking for those, uh, I guess, those environmental um, changes outside or what you can see can actually bring you back to centre and help you reduce the symptoms that you're feeling in that moment. Incredible. I love this idea of looking out the window because I, as you were saying, and I'm like, when is the last time I did that? And I, I cannot for the life of me recall how interesting that we can live in such a busy life that looking out the window isn't something that we necessarily regularly get the chance to experience and delight in. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I often catch myself because I do the school pickup and I get home at four and then I look at the clock and it's suddenly it's 9.30 and it's time for bed and I don't know where those last four and a half hours have gone because I've been caught up in the, the busyness of the evening, the homework and the getting dinner done and the bathroom routines and all of that stuff. But then if I say to my boys, hey, grab the basketball, let's go and shoot a few hoops out the front, it just feels like such a disconnect from the busyness and a disconnect from the, I don't want to use the, the word anxiety because, look, I don't think anyone's immune to it. I think we all experience it throughout our life. Definitely. But it's, it's just disconnecting from the everyday Mm-hmm. and the to-do list and actually just enjoying and getting outside if that's your self-care or sitting down and listening to music if that's your self-care but giving yourself that word permission again to actually just disconnect for a few minutes it doesn't even need to be a long period of time and it doesn't need to be something that's expensive either And I loved when you talked earlier about the vision board, like this could be a prompt for someone in regards to engaging in self-care because a vision board is often something that's prominently displayed, be it in one's bedroom or office or wherever it needs to be. And I wonder if the vision board might actually link to values because for listeners who maybe haven't heard of a vision board before, what it is, is where you create you know, often a visual depiction of the things that you want in your life or you'd like to embody. So whether you're writing up certain words or phrases or putting beautiful pictures or drawing or things that kind of guide you towards the future you want to create, a lot of that would be values aligned. Um, is that sort of an okay summary of a vision board? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's perfectly put. Okay. So, so then if I think of Um, of values from there. Would you mind just sharing with us what values are and maybe how we could gain some clarity around this? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you've raised this because 
when we talk about self-care, they're, they're our doing words. They're our, it's a verb really about our daily functioning and being our best self. And values are our being words. They're our, they're our intuition. They're our guiding lights that direct us forward and they help us tap into the decisions that we need to make for ourselves. And so, for example, if we come up against a, a, a decision in life, we can tap into those values and ask ourselves, does this serve me? Does this serve my purpose in life? And does it connect with my values? Will my values be met in the decision that I make here? But in order to live our most authentic, value-driven, meaningful life, we really need to be able to first be looking after ourselves, actually doing the self-care to function emotionally, physically and mentally as our best self so that we can live those values every single day. So it almost becomes the self-care is an imperative for us to be able to live a values-directed life. Yeah. Um, and with the values... Really, sorry. No, go because... ahead. Oh, sorry, Caitlin, I just, I, you, you're spot on right. I, I really think, and in my experience, and what I hear from my beautiful clients is that without self-care, the rest just doesn't work. It's the underpinning cornerstone of making those values show up on a daily basis. That's really important to note because I, I guess then we can get caught in this, this treadmill and think that we're moving towards the things we want in our life. But if we don't have any juice, then, then we fall off the treadmill. We can't keep up with, with the things that we want to be doing. And ultimately you describe values as being, so being the person we would like to like to be. Absolutely. It's like, um, not to use another analogy, but, or another cliche, but it's like, when we get a full tank of petrol in our car and we drive and we just keep driving, eventually that runs empty. And if we think of the fuel as the self-care and the car as the value, then without the fuel, we can't keep the car going. Yeah. So we need to stop. We need to check in with the petrol station. We need to fuel up and fill our cup up and do all of those things so that we can actually live aligned in a meaningful life. And a meaningful life is a values-driven life. So someone may be putting a picture of a car on their vision board wouldn't come astray. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I talk about this, a lot of my clients just look at me and go, oh, Justin, and they roll their eyes, but then they have a giggle and say, it makes sense. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And I, I guess around that. So in regards to cultivating the time maybe to sit down and reflect on self-care and sort of doing the list that you suggested, would this be a time where someone could sit down and explore um, what values are? And do you have a little bit more direction if someone was going to start listing out values as to how they might be um, conceptualized? You know, you mentioned they were being words. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So Likewise, um, I also share with my clients that, I mean, there, there are so many uh, values inventories that you can do online and there is one that I use that I can share with you if you would like to um, load and pop up for your listeners. That's yeah, not a problem. put it in the show notes. That would be fantastic. And we can sure. obviously link to, um, yeah. to all of the work you're doing as well there. No problem. Um, but very much in the same way, it's around exploring the being words. So if you close your eyes and you think of yourself living your best self, authentically you, not showing up to be anybody else but just you, asking yourself what are your words that define you? Can you come up with three? I think for me, one of them is probably around constantly seeking knowledge. I really like learning. So I, I suppose in the sense of being, 
if I'm engaged in something, learning something new, that for me has a bit of a timeless quality. I think for me as well, being able to show up in a manner that's very compassionate is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so being Beautiful. able to have the space to be able to really connect in and empathize and, and to behave according to that. Um, and I, I think another thing that is also really important for me is, I guess, in terms of how I link in with different communities. And I know that compassion might kind of align mm-hmm. with that, but I think it's also building networks and, and sharing becomes something I'd like to embody. And I, I think that's where my health drive comes in. So it's all kind of linked for me, for me there. I really liked that exercise, that closing, closing the eyes and, and turning in for a second to check in. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really nice one to do alongside the inventories that we we can find online or the ones that we'll link in the show notes. It's Again, like self-care, it's got to come from you and it can't come from a textbook. And sometimes when we read a value, the way it's shared or defined or the word, the one word that captures it, it might not be quite right for you. So it's actually got to come from your heart. It's got to speak to you. So doing this values work alongside the inventory can be really beautiful because it can get you really in touch with what's important for you. And I guess to take a little bit of a a segue, you know, when we're talking about values for a lot of people, community, health, family, all of these things are, are frequently shared with me in in the work that I do. And I imagine your lovely clients would be sharing with you as well. And right now there is an atmosphere of anxiety around what's going on with the coronavirus and people might be feeling really uneasy about this and and how to care for themselves, their family, their loved ones, and and the community as a whole. So maybe we could spend Mm -hmm. a few more minutes just reflecting on that and, and linking it, connecting the dots. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's such a pivotal time, isn't it, just right now. Um, I shared a post yesterday that I went to Woolworths and I visit there often during the week to restock, Um, not to hoard but to restock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I just noticed that all the really lovely familiar staff that I know well and we've been living in this area now for nearly 20 years and so many of their faces are so familiar to me and they seemed stressed and they were avoiding eye contact and I just observed and wondered why that might be and then I looked around and everybody else was the same and they were stressed and they were panicking and they were asking where where products were and frustration was really stress setting in because they weren't the products that they wanted to buy and I think the biggest thing just right now and I've got a whole list of them but the one that really stands out to me just at this very moment is kindness and it's kindness for ourselves as self-care and it's also kindness for others because we don't always know what someone else is experiencing. And when I stopped to reflect, I could only imagine the frustration and the anxiety and perhaps even a little bit of fear of turning up to work. These beautiful workers may have had around what's going on now, not having the answers for their customers. And it really made me stop and reflect and I really did understand more so even than just what I share with my clients in that moment that the emotions that we show up with and we lead with are often just a snapshot of what we're actually feeling on the inside. And it's so important at this moment to be really mindful of that, that we might be showing up with anger or frustration, but deep down there might be this fear, this worry, this confusion and if we can tap into those core emotions that we're actually feeling rather than showing up with, we can actually communicate those 
much more easily and we can actually do something to manage those and help someone else understand. A really beautiful point that it's almost like this secondary experience where maybe the fear or maybe the anger or frustration comes up and underneath there is this fear and this worry. And, you know, I, I suppose when I'm anxious or overwhelmed or fearful, reaching out for help or assistance or connection can feel really nourishing. But if that mm-hmm. secondary emotion of anger, for instance, comes up, that actually leads me to push people away. And I imagine others might have similar experience. Absolutely, and I notice that I do the same too. When I'm feeling fearful or anxious, anxious, it's really natural and very normal for me to recluse and go Mm. inward or project outward in other ways in frustration, like the dishes aren't done. Oh, that's a catastrophe. But really on the inside, it's, it's something much more than that. And if I can sit and reflect and be mindful of what that is that's going on for me, then I can communicate that much more easily and I can share what's going on for me. And the communication, as you said, leads to connection. And then often you can nut that out with someone else. You can reflect and you can work through that constructively. How do you think, and you know, this is just ideas, but how do you think we could support listeners to more effectively nourish themselves through this period, but also to show up in such a way that maybe we can find some connection. Maybe we can make eye contact or a soft glance or gaze at Woolworths rather than all of us with our heads down, trying to get our stock and almost feeling angry towards each other when, when we're really all suffering in this together. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. I noticed yesterday just a simple act of saying thank you to the checkout assistant as I went through when she was apologising to me profusely while she had to take an almond milk off me because I had three instead of two and I hadn't (laughs) read the sign properly. And she was saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry I have to take this off you. And I said, it's okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me because in my confusion, I didn't read the sign properly. And thank you for your compassion in this moment and talking me through that. And her, she just smiled. She smiled. And I thought there's not enough of that going on at the moment for all of us. You know, yeah. we're on the inside, we're not smiling. <laughs> yeah. So we're not, we're not projecting that. So you're right, you know, just smiling at someone, saying thank you, acknowledging them. Um, I know we can't have physical contact at the moment (laughs) and social isolation is really important. But actually honouring that and saying out loud, it would be so nice to be able to give you a hug at the moment, but just know that that's what I'm doing <laughs> on the that's inside. That's so <laughs> an inside hug. And that, I mean, you know, you talk about the inside smile in regards to figuring out <laughs> what lights us up for self-care. Maybe this is sharing with people what's internally going on when we see someone we recognise or someone that's familiar and then let them kind of have that internal internal joy as well. Yeah. Also asking people, how are you? No, how are you? Is there anything that you need? If someone is desperately searching for toilet paper, asking them, are you okay? And if you have a spare roll, offer them a spare roll. You know, just a simple gesture like that can really light up someone's day. Um, And there's so many other little things that we could be doing for self-care just at this moment that I'm really mindful of. Like when we go to the shop, not loading our trolley with sugary foods, actually going to those outside aisles and loading up on those whole foods, the fresh fruits and vegetables that we know have phytonutrients and they load our body with all the good stuff to give it the best possible chance of immune boosting functionality and just making sure that we actually go there and not grab all the packets being mindful of reading the labels and saying what is in this is it going to serve me is it going to serve my body and my family what else 
I think that's a really interesting point just to, to highlight that, that, you know, sometimes I think when we're feeling uncertain, we can get swept away and maybe aren't thinking as clearly when we go to the shop. So this idea of even just that hook to stay around the perimeter, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I try and really mindfully do now that when I walk into a store, I head left or right rather down the middle um, and actually grab what's fresh, what I know is growing on a tree or in the soil. And if you can buy organic, then that's awesome. But if you can't, it's also fine. You know, particularly at this time, you know, head for those outside aisles and grab the whole food. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're allowed to go and buy your treats and your snacks because we all need those too. But it's around just being mindful of what we're selecting rather than grabbing, I think, at this moment. That's a beautiful reminder. I am mindful <laughs> of our time today. Did you have any other, like a final tip that you wanted to share with anyone or a final reflection in regards to nourishing ourselves and, you know, also connecting with our community? Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful question, Caitlin. I guess I think the most important thing just to share as we head off today is just in the current climate, just to learn the facts and not do the social media scrolling or being hooked by the headlines and just being really mindful of knowing what those facts are rather than being caught up in stress and anxiety and fear. Being mindful of burnout because a lot of what I'm seeing at the moment coming through um, my practice is my beautiful clients are mindful that there may be what they're terming in inverted commas a lockdown <laughs> and they are just doing whatever they can to get to the end of their to-do list at the moment. But being mindful of burnout is really important at this moment, especially when emotionally we might be feeling a bit fatigued as well. Being physically fatigued too is just going to add to our body's immune stress. Um, applying some, you know, those practical precautions that we all know very well, the hand washing and the hygiene, but really coming back to eating rich, whole food, balanced diets, gentle exercise, getting some beautiful, fresh air and sleep. Those Definitely are, sleep. <laughs> those are so important. And <laughs> it is interesting, you know, the things that um, tend to be disrupted when we're overwhelmed would be sleep and then the self-care practices like the gentle exercise, you know, and having that perceived um, experience of a lack of energy and reaching for the sugars. So I think these are really good reminders that I hope listeners will take away, you know, make note of and sit down, make themselves a cuppa, write down the things that light them up, that bring them that internal smile, find the themes in that, and perhaps even connecting the themes with some of these self-care practices we just touched on in regards to how to stay well during, you know, this very unsettling time when our immune systems might be challenged you know, making sure that they are sort of looking at maybe how eating well plays into their self-care and, and maybe their values, how they show up in their lives, you know, linking in with the exercise, the physical activity, and, and I guess these general practices of, I guess, sleep hygiene and trying to create environments that are conducive to sleep, maybe not reading those headlines on social media that are so panic inducing <laughs> before bed, getting quality mm. sources of media and taking some slow time before they head off to sleep, maybe looking at their vision board. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that inspires someone to look at creating their own vision board because it's such a beautiful thing to do for yourself and a beautiful reminder on a daily basis of who you are and what you're driven by and what your values are and how you want to show up in the world. There's one little quote that I can leave you with that I share with all of my clients around self-care. It's that we have to make me time for the we time. 
I love that. <laughs> Make me time for the we time. So listeners, please head to the show notes and there you will be able to find links to the values inventory that Justin's kindly offered to share with us, as well as her private practice website, which is just for listeners in case they want to Google it right away, wisdomwellness.com.au. And you're also on Instagram and on Facebook. And I will, of course, have links because I imagine people who might have questions around self-care, but also, you know, in regards to the health coaching you do could reach out to you on those platforms. Does that sound okay? Oh, absolutely. That's no problem at all. If there are any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Beautiful. Well, Justine, have a lovely afternoon. Enjoy the time with your boys, perhaps shooting some hoops of basketball. And <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us on Wisdom for Wellbeing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a beautiful, beautiful chat. Thanks, Caitlin. I hope that you enjoyed this interview with Justine. I think it was a really heartfelt and honest account of the difficulties that we can experience at different points in our lives, particularly around fertility. You can find Justine at wisdomwellness.com.au. She practices in Western Australia at Wisdom Wellness and offers group therapy at the Hollywood Clinic. You can also head to our show notes, drcaitlin.com, to be able to download the resources around self-care that Justine has so kindly offered you today. I know I've been mentioning this a little bit, but if you do have a moment to leave a review on iTunes, I would be so grateful. It is not an entirely intuitive process, so I've put together a little how-to video at drcaitlin.com if you haven't left one before, or just flick me an email, hello at drcaitlin.com, and I can help you out as I so very much appreciate you helping me out. Until next week, I'm wishing you and yours well. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.